same old trouble Villains always knocking at the door Pretty pictures on the page But nothing ever stays the Thank you, Vandello, and welcome once again to Graphically Novel. My name is Josh Wasta, a.k.a. Fallout Fury, and with me is my stuffed beaver. <laughs> <laughs> my Mr. B. <laughs> it's Bear. <laughs> I was not expecting the stuffed beaver. <laughs> it's like the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> No one ever expects right? the stuff to beaver. <laughs> and with us, the lovely and talented, our Poison Ivy. <laughs> the, the brains of this fucking outfit <laughs> is Ms. Jennifer Howland. Thank you, Bear. It's a lovely introduction. Yes, well, is, is your front and back gardens both a test? You are very much Poison Ivy. I, I am. Uh, I will admit it. I just, ex I honestly would have expected more skulls in the garden than it'd be. Just wait for it. There are heads right now. Okay. Well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I am the fortunate person on the team that gets to introduce our guest every week. And this week we have a very special guest returning to the show. Um, our dear friend, Lou B. Hi! Yay! <laughs> Jenny Smith Pulsifer. Yes, thank you. I did get that right, right? The, you the... did. We joke that it rhymes with Lucifer. Yes. yes. Which. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much for coming back on the show. And we would expect none other than our dear friend Luby to be here for the show because. We Josh. are doing Harleen Quinzel. We're doing Yay! the girl herself. Now, we. <laughs> this is uh, the third in kind of a series. Uh, throughout seasons because we started by doing birds of prey uh and then we had and that was with um cat espen then we had loopy on uh for the suicide squad the good one uh, <laughs> uh and then uh now we are finishing it out with the harley quinn cartoon and uh the uh the graphic novel uh by uh out on the town Hot in the town. Hot Damn in the it. city. Hot in the city. city. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, I had it somewhere. A temperature <laughs> and a name for a large group of people living together in a geographical region. <laughs> uh, Metropolis? Wait, what? <laughs> but yes, uh, so this, uh, we have talked about Harley a few times, but now we're really gonna, gonna dig into her because this Did comic is straight up on the woman herself. Yes. With my Nick girl. That's right. Uh, and it's, my girl since the nineties. <laughs> I was about to say, as long as I've known you, uh, that you have been the go-to person if I had a Harley question. Mm -hmm. uh, and this, so this comic was uh, specifically her new fifty-two uh, comic. Uh, so it was when <laughs> let's see, this is three reboots ago in DC. Yeah. <laughs> uh and, and it was hardly getting her own series without the joker and going off on her own and living her own life which was great and there are a lot of uh similarities between this and the cartoon which we will be covering in the first season even though the, as we record this the third season is 
review is dropping episodes we have not watched this week's yet oh my god i have to tell i will not spoil anything but this week's episode of the harley quinn cartoon was my favorite to date oh, oh wow amazing. So, very good episode this week some really really excellent like cameos and some of my favorite side characters so oh that's fantastic well mm-hmm. i'm looking forward to it um but let's uh let's start with the comic obviously loopy you have read this before you suggested it for this episode um what what led you to to say this is the one so it's funny because i had real trouble not overthinking your question um because when it comes to harley comics there are a bunch that i like a lot better than this one but if asked the question what would you recommend to fans of the new TV series, the new cartoon series? This would have to be the one I recommend specifically for people who are big fans of the TV series because, um, um, and it's funny because I always want to truncate Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmietti just to Amanda Palmer. And I'm sure that Neil Gaiman's <laughs> wife would love to take credit for it. <laughs> but that's not them. But uh but they really, really redefined Harley in a lot of ways. And they set a baseline like tone and vision for the character that is, I mean, absolutely directly translated into the cartoon. And you can just see it all over the comic book, but it's also really informed a lot of the other stuff we talked about. You see some of those same inspirations in Bird, you see a lot of them in Bird of Prey. Yes. Um, and, uh, And the Suicide Squad as well. Uh, so uh, let's go into the people reading it for the first time. I was not one of them. I, I had actually, as I got into it, I did. I had an early graphic novel that didn't have the issue zero that was in this one, um, which we'll get into. Um, we will. The only thing I really want to talk about in issue zero, because mostly it's a hot mess, but um, there's one panel that's very important in that issue zero. And it's funny because... I was like, surely I have this graphic novel. I know I do. And I like tore apart my shelves looking for it. And then I realized I bought it in single issues when it was coming out um, in real time. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to go back and read my singles and I had to go check and see which of my singles were were in this novel. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I need to remember to go and grab my singles out of the 22 year old's closet. But the cool (laughs) thing about that in pulling out the singles I got to really revisit and enjoy their glorious covers. I yeah. mean, the covers are one of the things that's just awesome, awesome, awesome about this particular run. So that that was kind of an, like silver lining. So Bear, what did you think about this? Uh, yeah, album? you're looking straight at me as we were talking about issue zero, and I was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, now we got everybody just to take this from the perspective of a dude that did not growing up reading a ton of comics and especially did not growing up reading a ton of DC at all and got this massive just there's an entire issue of we're just going to break the fourth wall while the uh well essentially um Bugs Bunny interviews his artist yeah <laughs> um, yes <laughs> Uh, and I was just like, oh, God, please don't let the rest of this, the graphic be like this, please, for the love of God. <laughs> um, it got, it got better. I'll give it, I'll give it to you. It got better. Um, I, the, the first comic, the, you know, the first, the first whole thing just kind of really, 
let's just put it this way. I'm glad I was doing nothing at work and got paid to read it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that issue zero is a hot mess, and I forgot. Honestly, it was part of the series, but um, I said I wanted to talk about one panel in it. Yes. And there's one panel right in the beginning where Harley basically says, oh, I get my own comic. This is going to appeal to everybody. The guys are going to want to look at me. The young girls are going to want to grow up to be me. And the grown women are going to want to just be able to act like me. And I was like, wow, if that wasn't like the most like (laughs) self-aware comment I could possibly hear. (laughs) So yeah, read that one panel, then move on. (laughs) Then move on to the rest of the comic. Find that in there. And then move on. Unless you're interested in in just speaking out on all the different styles Artists. of art. I mean, and the comic art. That's I'll, out there. I'll give it to you. As far as artwork goes, if you know, if if somebody would have warned me, I'd have been like, okay, well, I'm just going to ignore this and imagine it's a Bugs Bunny skit and uh, just look at the great art because there's amazing art in there. Yeah. Yes. We got Paul Dini to write a panel. Yeah. Yep. For a page, yeah, which was cool. Jen, what did you think of this comic? Um, I liked it. I liked it a lot because I really love the, the animated series. And so I was very happy to see some of the side characters. Mr. Cyborgman. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love Cy. <laughs> so yes, it was, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, it, there are some comics, especially DC, that we have read that have been kind of sloggy that I've not really enjoyed. Um, but I, I thought this was really good, you know, it moved along, it didn't, you know, dwell on any one thing where I think that's where they kind of get stuck in an area. You know, I, I, I think that that's a comic book problem in general, but explaining one concept for more than one page tends to, uh, yeah, I, I will forever and always compare it to the scene in the third matrix movie with the oracle Mm. uh at the basketball or at the park where i understood what she was telling neo in the first two minutes but the actual scene lasted 15. (laughs) so by the end i was like what the fuck are you talking about yeah Yeah. did i actually understand what you were right (laughs) right because you're doing a really good job to tell me that i don't yeah you know (laughs) um but yeah, uh, definitely moving and moving and very Harley, yeah. you know, in its... Yeah, it's in fun it. and it's funny. It's lighthearted. It's really irreverent. Um, and like I said, it's kind of foundational for the Harley we're seeing in all the other media right now. There are other trade collections of this run that I think tell a little bit of a better story, but you wouldn't appreciate them if you hadn't read this one. Agreed. Yeah. Totally agreed. Uh, so let's, uh, let, let's move away from the comic because, uh, we would like people to read it, uh, and go into this cartoon that is fucking crazy. (laughs) Uh, it's perfect. It's perfect. It is. It Uh, is so Harley Quinn. I mean, it couldn't, you couldn't do a PG version and have it really. Well, I mean, you could, it's called the animated series, but that didn't just focus like on, you know, on Harley. That's where she came from. Right. You know, but even then she was always pushing the envelope. Right. Um, which they, in that issue zero, actually one of my, one of my favorite, uh, little pieces was the, I forgot my line 
and they're like, they're Black like, Pudding, don't you want to rev up your hobby? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which is that was eerie. That yes, was, it was eerie how well you did that. <laughs> she's. she's I, I've uh, been doing Harley's voice for a long time. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's I I enjoyed that part because it it harkens back to Harley from the beginning was not necessarily uh, a kid friendly character, but she was introduced in Batman the Animated Series, which was ostensibly for children, whether or not looking back on it it really was you know that that argument can be made but <laughs> uh definitely one of the most you know because she's she's the joker that you can actually like you know i mean same kind of motivations uh had the same begin like the 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 beginning part but has blossomed into something that wasn't just a female joker it is a survivor of abuse, uh, somebody mm -hmm. that's gone through and and Harley's message now, which I love, is you don't want to emulate the Joker Harley relationship. I honestly think that Harley is probably the closest approximation that we have to punish. Huh. She's very anti-hero now. She's, yes, but... her, what she has evolved into, not where she started from. Right, but right, what right. She has evolved into, I think, is much more of a a punisher aspect than than a straight up villain like she wants yeah, to be anti, she anti wants to be a hero with a giant red stamp yeah right yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which i like because one of the things like we talked about this a teeny bit in the suicide squad issue but like for me the thing that has always appealed to me about harley is that sort of um, that sort of fantasy of just breaking all the rules and doing my own thing and being myself no matter what anybody else has to say about it and being a total badass along the way. Um, I don't like Harley when she's like, when she's not too villainous, right? Like I like it when she's pulling out the bat and beating heads. <laughs> <laughs> Which this, uh, this cartoon and this comic has plenty of- They deliver on that for sure. Absolutely. Um, so I guess, uh, what were your first impressions? Uh, I'll go around and I'll start with Loopy, but what were your first impressions when you first watched the first episode of this cartoon? Eye-popping. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like, like I, I actually, they took it further than I thought they would, <laughs> which is really saying something. Um, but God, I love, I love the art so much. I love the fact that they just focus on Harley so much. I love their cast of sidekicks and I love their callbacks to the comics in there as well. So, but yeah, my goodness, when you just need 30 minutes of watching Harley beat heads because you couldn't, this is, this is a cartoon. Absolutely. <laughs> Jen, you adore this cartoon. But... I do. And you know, the first time we watched it, um, you know, eye popping is a really great way to describe it because I was like, holy cow, they really went there. They did. And, <clears throat> you know, I, before we did the show, I really had very, a very limited knowledge and understanding of the Suicide Squad of Harley. You know, I was aware, but didn't really know much. Um, but it's, it's the show, the TV show that has, I love King Shark. <laughs> he's and so good. He's I, don't so know good. I don't know that I've seen an incarnation of King Shark that I haven't liked. 
Oh no, no. It's Ron Funches voicing King Shark that does it for me. Mm-hmm. Because it is brilliant. Brilliant casting. I mean, even in Suicide Squad though, when we had was Sylvester Stallone doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that was I still like that. It was amusing, but Ron Funches as King Shark is, is it for me. <laughs> well, I mean, just the the entirety of the the voice cast. I mean, mm. you, we talk a lot, uh, or, or right now there's a big conversation about celebrity voice actors versus professional voice actors, which um, I think that this is a, a good focus, kind of focus point, because um, Kaylee Cuoco, who does uh, Harley's voice, uh, best known for The Flight Attendant and Big Bang Theory, um, is an executive producer on this, like came on and really liked the character and wanted to do it. But it's her first like big voiceover role. Whereas then you have Lake Bell. Lake Bell was uh, an, an actress first, but does a lot of voice work. Um, I I knew Lake Bell from uh, Boston Legal because uh, Den- Boston Legal. Denny Crane. Um, <clears throat> but then you have people like Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk is just an actor. Listen, <laughs> I don't care what you put Alan Tudyk in, you're going to watch this thing. Right. We will We will get back to a lot more of Alan Tudyk later in our episode on Resident Alien right. uh, and how that entire show does not fucking work if it's anyone but Alan Tudyk <laughs> in that role. But, uh, you know, Ron Funches is a, a comedian, another person that he has a very distinctive voice, mm-hmm. though. And then you have Tony Hale. And Tony Hale, who does Dr. Psycho, he does Faust, he does, like, a lot of the voices on this. Huge voice actor. Uh, I mean, Tony Hale is a professional voice artist. Um, you know, and then uh, uh, Christopher Maloney doing uh, Commissioner Gordon. Gordon Perfect. Oh my God. Once again, the Just voice as, like, fits. As, strung out caffeine addicts like half psycho himself <laughs> right james gordon yes uh jim rash who who i you may know from community as the dean um when the riddler shows up he's the riddler's voice and again just finding the right voice to that but they when they need multiple voices or people not to sound like themselves um then they get professional voice actors so i mean this one kind of that line as opposed to like uh the dc super pets movie that people are up in arms about because it's just a bunch of actors like movie actors voice working a cartoon um so i mean i i think in this situation it works but what do you guys think i'm gonna say something that'll make people mad but i like kaylee as harley quinn better than i like tara strong as harley wow that's uh (laughs) sounds like somebody's going for a fight yeah, uh, yeah. Tara, Tara Strong, who is a, a an award-winning voice actress across the board, and she's voiced Harley in... Harley's original voice, yeah. No, that's... that's oh, Arlene I'm sorry. Sorkin. That's Eileen Sorkin, but Tara Strong kind of took the torch from Eileen Sorkin when she stopped doing it. Tara does Harley's voice in, like, the really fantastic Arkham video games okay. um, and several of the DC animated movies. But I think Tara plays Harley too dumb and and too like gimmicky, almost a little childlike. And it really grates on me the wrong way. And now yes. like when I see other animated Harleys, I hear Kaylee's voice in my head instead. <laughs> and that's entirely fair considering this is supposed to be a woman with a PhD, regardless of how crazy she's gone in the interim. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Which we get into a lot in this comic. But uh, yes, I, I, I can understand what you're saying, Libby. Like, I hadn't thought of it that way. But especially once you get to uh, Arkham City, um, yeah. that Harley is, because she even has her own DLC, but she's a one note joke in mm-hmm. that mostly. Yeah, her costumes are great, but other than that, like, and we're talking like Mark Hamill voices the Joker in those. Come on, like everything else about those Arkham games is phenomenal. But I, I don't like, I don't like uh, Tara's voice. I don't understand that, Bear? What are your thoughts on professional voice work versus uh, versus bringing in bigger names? Um, you know, I'm just. You're our media guy. I'm, I'm the media guy, but I, I don't, I honestly, I don't do a whole ton of animated stuff. Um, I think the work that they've been doing here, it's, it's kind of like, I mean, I didn't actually realize that, that Kelly was the executive producer on this. And I think she's doing great things. It's kind of like when you found out that the Muppets were coming back and um, what's his Jason Siegel. Jason Siegel, yeah. Who, yeah. Right. Is, is doing, you know, is, is running that whole show. And I'm just like, Really? You like how I met your mother? You're do- Jason Siegel? And yeah, then you but, watch it and you're just like, oh, oh, this is so good. But then you also had to have watched Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which is where that whole progression came from because he had the Dracula uh, puppet musical <laughs> in that. See that, but okay. <laughs> you haven't seen Forgetting Sarah Marshall? No, oh, I, it's brilliant. Listen, I've tried to avoid your your hobby movies for <laughs> as long as I've known you. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Um, Jen, thoughts on voice actors? I, I think that this show does a good balance of choosing the right. And if you look, there are several, like Alan Tudyk, he voices 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 11, mm-hmm. 12, 13, 14 different characters. Because that is that man's range. Right. Yes. But he's not the only one. I mean, Lake Bell right. has like 10 to her name. You know, I think that that they have done a great job of choosing people, not because they're a famous actor, but inviting them to do something that maybe they really want to do. I mean, and, and Alan Tudyk isn't the only one who is well-known, not as a voice actor, who has taken on several, I mean, even Christopher Maloney yeah. ha- has four right. different characters <clears throat> to his credit. Michael Ironside, Wayne Knight. Like, there's a mess of high-end actors in here that, you know, are still just doing voice acting and you would have, you would have never known. Right. But also, like, you know, Wanda Sykes. When, when Wanda Sykes starts talking (laughs) as the Queen of Fables, you know it's Wanda Sykes. Like, she's not trying to disguise her voice. And it's, it's, it adds to that character because you're like, oh, in my mind's eye, I can see Wanda Sykes having fun with this. Right. Um. You know, uh, Alfred Molina coming in and doing Mr. Freeze again, you know, that voice, you're like, oh, okay. It's almost like a subtle joke without saying a joke. Um, But yeah, I, I, I guess I land, I land mostly on the, I think that this falls more into the acceptable world because it's, it's a mix. It's definitely giving professional voice actors a job because there are tons of people that do voices for this. And a lot of them are voice actors. And then once in a while, you'll have a cameo or a little piece by, you know, somebody that uh, 
that who, you're just going to recognize listen, their voice. Just as the right voice for the job. Let's right. put it that way. Right. Yeah. I, and I think that comes from you know having a good producer that knows who to put in there for the for the the task at hand. Right. We need an older Jewish man uh, to to be <laughs> cyborgman. Oh look, Jason Alexander. Right? Like you know. Uh, because again, the first time he speaks, you're like, oh, because my God, there's that's like three generations of people that are going to be like, is that right? And yeah. That's all they're going to say is that. And then they're going to turn and watch the rest of the episode. Right. Um, but I, I do, uh, <laughs> to move from that, I watched, uh, cause I did extra work for this episode. Ooh. I watched some interviews that Kaylee Cuoco and Lake Bell have been doing. Um, for this new season and on YouTube, go and look it up because first of all, they're hilarious together. But second of all, um, they can't turn off the swearing when talking about uh, <laughs> Harley Quinn. Um, they, I watched an Entertainment Tonight uh, uh, interview where like it got bleeped so much at the end. Kaylee Cuoco's like, can you use any of this? <laughs> they left that in. <laughs> But they have, uh, there are apparently only a certain number of swear words, of each swear word, allowed per episode. And the cast members fight over who gets to have them. <laughs> okay, so right then and there, that gives the right? show my art. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, that was one of the few things, like, I, this was just, when I started watching it, I was like, this is just another animated you know, it was like, what was the last one that we did? Uh, Young, Young, Young Justice? Justice? Yeah, where I was just like... This is very different than Young Justice. I was yeah, going to say, like, oh my god. It's absolutely very different from Young Justice, but mainly the reason why that I was like, whereas Young Justice was like, while we were while I'm watching it for the episode, I'm just like, on my phone, and I'm fucking around, and I'm just like, looking stuff up, or I'm working on something for a D&D game, and with this, it was just like, all of a sudden there's something really relevant. Like they make a reference to, they made so many relevant, like pop culture references. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, dropped F-bombs left and right. Yep. <laughs> and I'm just like, like when they're like, no, this is not eternal sunshine for the spotless mind. You can't just rewrite your brain. And I'm just like, okay, I can't, I gotta put my phone down. <laughs> right? Like where did that reference right? come from? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, 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 I don't know about you, Luby. I know these two are, are not as big into it, but that's why I love Mystery Science Theater 3000 is a <laughs> lot of the references that they'll pull out for one-time jokes are like, if you don't get it, you just don't get it. Like yeah. the early seasons were a lot of like golden age of Hollywood riffs and jokes um, that I didn't get until I was older. But I love when a joke is dropped in there and it's like unapologetic. It's like either you get it or you don't. Well, and that was one of my notes for for this podcast. I was going to say, you, you kind of have to buckle in for the humor because it's sort of a double-edged sword because there is a very, very broad range of humor. And some of the jokes are going to land for you personally, and some of them will not. Um, and some of them might even just be a little like, ugh. But the ones that land for you personally you're going to be rolling around on the couch laughing. So just kind of be prepared for like a little hit and miss humor because it's not just for any one taste. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah, there's there's plenty of like, you know, there's not a ton of, of dick and fart jokes, but they're in there, mm -hmm. you know? But at the same time, like Bear said, they're eternal 
Right? They're making... Sun, they're, yeah. Yeah, they're making shots at Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Right. <laughs> and then there's, yeah, and then there's, like, uh, rom-com jokes right? in there yep. that I'm like, ah, I get that. And I look over at Jen, and she's like, what, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's obviously an action movie. <laughs> right. You know. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just... It, it seems to me like this cast is just having the time of their life with it. And so that's the other thing is in one of the interviews that I watched, Kaylee Cuoco and Lake Bell, they hadn't met before they did the interview because they're in their own home recording studios sending in their lines. And so they don't even work off each other, which I found insane because the way they cut it is so back and forth, right. especially between Harley and, and, and Ivy. Yeah. Um, so uh, while we're talking about the Harley Quinn show, I did want to break this down a little bit. Is this the best Poison Ivy that we've Well, seen? I'm going to say it's a Poison Ivy you don't expect. Yeah, absolutely. She's I... not a sex pot, right? No. Yeah. So, so no. and that's refreshing. And I don't want to spoil the current season, but I will say they lean into her academic side. Indeed, yes. Which I think is really cool because that's something, you know, people remember that Harley is supposed to be a doctor, but they often forget the Poison Ivy is one too. Yeah. (laughs) Well, basically anybody in Gotham with a PhD turns out to be a villain. So It's like that meme that says, you know, stop yeah. joking that that Bruce Wayne could solve all Gotham's problems with grants because whenever yeah, right. you give grants to people in Gotham City, they turn into super villains. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My favorite one of those is is the you know Batman is is confronting Mister Freeze and is like, "Why are you doing all this?" He's like, "I need money for the experiment to keep my wife alive." And he's like, "You're Bruce." Fucking Wayne, right. fund his shit. This this could have been a problem that was solved without you putting the fucking cowl on, right? Yeah. Uh, Poison Ivy is actually the one often used for that meme. It's like, well, I gave a grant to this, you know, this this clean energy, clean environment research station. And what I got was heart was Poison Ivy. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. Ivy's not necessarily wrong. Uh, <laughs> just extreme, yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, I you know I was thinking about it earlier, and I'm like, this might be the best Poison Ivy because again, goes into facets of her character. Um, she's not one note. You know, she's not. Um, you know, the the woman going up against Batman that he could take out with a single punch. Like, she's a top tier, dangerous ass villain, well, and this treats her like it. You like this Poison Ivy because she is a superhero version or supervillain version of Daria. Kind of. <laughs> so good. You know? Well, I think that she's also probably the character with depth, the show. Yeah. You know, she's I the person, she is, you know, ha- has more relatable thoughts, feelings than any other character. Relatable to what I mean. Yeah, because we both kind of go, why? Right. Why but do you she keep also, doing this, girl? She also, <laughs> you know, she's dealing with imposter syndrome. She's, you know, she thinks that the only way that she can't, she feels like she feels social anxiety. Mm-hmm. She is, you know, thinks she's best when she's alone, you know, and I think that she is the most relatable. She also understands that when she goes out in public, 
some rando is going to come up and try and suddenly be, you know, best friend slash romance interest. Somebody's just going to come up and see if they can do a heist with me. Just like, oh, no, those people. <laughs> Not necessarily the heist, but it's like, hey, we should do this together. No, yeah. Let's just not. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that I would agree. With this, I think I, yeah, and and the other thing that I'm kind of noticing, thinking back, I know we're just dealing with season one, and so I'll I'll stick to that. But she, her progression and her plot through each season is kind of a highlight. I mean, I love watching Harley and, and all the stuff she gets into, but Harley at the end of the day doesn't seem to learn from yeah. the things, but Ivy actually has a progression, yeah. um, especially in the whole the whole Kite Man uh, yeah. thing that's, exactly. that, that, that's starting to go on and her relationship with Harley in the first season, you know, trying to trying to help her friend while also not just, which she could, tying her down with plant vines and hitting her with different pheromones until Harley just is fixed. You know, she has the power to do that, but she sticks around and tries to help Harley just heal herself. Tries to help shrink the shrink. Yes. You know, that's kind of been true in their relationship all the way going back to the animated series. I just think you see it more clearly in the current cartoon. Agreed. And I think that might just be because there's less extraneous details to deal with mm -hmm. like you're focusing on harley here this is not batman the animated series this right. is right harley, harley quinn. quinn so we have that that time to breathe and work with yeah um i don't know that's that's just it's, it's not something that i thought about before because i mean i knew that a lot of the progression a lot of the their their relationship and their back and forth came from newer comic um and uh, in the first season, mostly it's focusing on Harley getting over her breakup, which we've dealt with now in three different movies and this cartoon. And it was, uh, I, I will say for three for, or four episodes. Of yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is a progression throughout the first season culminating like, in the finale. The first, like, like the actual break is like, oh yeah. And being done with it. Right. Yes. We're still going to have issues. Right. Which progressed through the rest of the Right. But um, by season two, I mean, it's like a footnote. And by season three, it's... Yeah. Um, which I, you know, that's the only spoiler I'm going to drop for future seasons. And that is only because, like I said, we've had three movies um, and the first season of a cartoon series, of a TV series that was just this over and over and over again. Um, so there is progression, yes. you know? Um, by the Suicide Squad, it, it was a little better, but I did, and we discussed it on that episode, I did feel that she had just somehow forgotten all of the lessons she learned in Bird of, Birds of Prey, and it needed to be done all over again. Uh, so, but, uh, yeah, any other, uh, thoughts that anybody else wants to bring up? I've been, I, I've gone through my, my, uh, points. I just was, again, when I saw the, the old trailer, I was like, yeah, this is about time. And I'm not sure that it would have about had Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie is also super, super passionate about Harley Quinn. And what I love is that you'll see callbacks to the the comic book we were discussing at the beginning um, in a lot of that too, like the roller derby thing. Uh-huh. Right? And the fact that basically I, I read an interview saying that Margot Robbie didn't know how to roller skate. 
<laughs> she learned to roller skate because she knew Harley Quinn was in the roller derby. And then, of course, now she's doing really ridiculous stunts on roller skates and birds, which means. Right. Um, just one more thing I kind of wanted to mention about the comic book and then kind of how you'll see that kind of kicked up to 11 in the cartoon. There's a lot of implied backstory and canon from Harley Quinn going all the way back to the animated series that they they go from being implied to being explicit in the Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmietti um, uh, comic, such as the fact that Harley's half Jewish, the fact that Harley's bisexual, you know, a bunch of her like history with her family and stuff. You'll get into that in future issues of the comic book as well. And they put all of that stuff in the cartoon too, and they kick it to 11. So I like yeah. seeing some of that implied stuff become, you know, canonically explicit. Um, and if anybody's interested in spicy stuff, there is some really spicy, lovely art of Harley and Ivy in the <laughs> comic book <laughs> that we've looked at. <laughs> so. Pulled from Rule 34 websites. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> um, so thank you for bringing that up because it does remind me, jarred by memory of two things. The first one being, um, because I've watched most recently season three, but going back to season one, there's an entire plot that deals with Dr. Psycho and the Me Too movement, which I fucking loved. Yeah, and it was wanted, so and, and it so was, you know, at the time that it came out too, it was very, you know, obviously Me Too's been going on for four years at this point. Um, so, but it, it, at season one, it was definitely bringing the Me Too movement into the DC universe, which I fucking loved. And I love every moment of it. And to go off on the tangent that we usually go off on that we haven't actually hit yet, <clears throat> just reminds me of since we're still talking about the DC universe, how uh, Superman can't date in the Me Too movement. Right. <laughs> like, everybody's like, oh my god, Henry Cavill, he's so amazing, he's the Witcher, and it's just like, you forgot about how, like, three or four years ago, he's like, I don't, Superman doesn't feel comfortable dating in the Me Too movement if he can't, you know, make just sexual comments about women in a bar. Oh, god. Yeah. Someday we'll get better. They'll just... I mean, I have a hard time, like, looking at The Witcher, which is an amazingly well-written series, and just still looking at that and going, God, it's still fucking Henry Cavill. I don't want to like it, but I just can't not. So, uh, for season four of Harley Quinn, how many Ezra Miller jokes are there going to be? <laughs> <laughs> wow, oh my god, I was just reading news stories about him, like, two uh, days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Just give us Grant Gustin, okay? Right? Like, <laughs> give us give us Grant Gustin. Bring back Batgirl. You already fucking filmed it. <sighs> but the other thing, you mentioned that Harley is half Jewish. Um, mm -hmm. And there was one controversy that came up in the first season of this. And that was the, the Penguins. The Penguin uh, episode. The Penguin <laughs> the episode with the nephew. The, was it his son or his nephew? His, I thought it was his nephew. His nephew's bar mitzvah. Bar mitzvah. I was just doing homework about this like over the last couple of days knowing this podcast was coming up because you know like I there's part of me is like I like people knowing that Harley's half Jewish right like I, I like people knowing that there's this really really popular character out there with some Jewish heritage and I was just reading interviews with the writers responding to 
fan reactions to that episode. You know, most of the writers are Jewish too. Yes, absolutely. And I was like, I think it was just self-depreciating humor that just landed wrong. Um, but it did land wrong. There's there's no getting around that. So And I I did find it a little bit interesting that that caused such a controversy, but the character of Sal Boardman or Cy Boardman <laughs> does not. I know, I know. Especially they have not gone. As we read in the comic, they have not gone as Cyborgman as they can go, Cyborgman. There is so much more Cyborgman to be had. The man has exploding bagels. <laughs> Bagel grenades, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, had a bagel this morning for breakfast in honor of our, our Brooklyn girl. <laughs> nice. Just, just a couple dashes of hot sauce, not too much. <laughs> so I can taste the cheese. <laughs> yeah, uh... I, I I don't know. I I've got no uh no dog in that fight. Yeah. You know, I I'm definitely on on the side of yes, if if it is offensive, we should be checking ourselves, but at the same time, we do need to understand people's backgrounds make their way into their art. And so if there was a Jewish scene that was self-deprecating written by a bunch of Jewish writers, uh like isn't that I I mean, I've watched enough um uh... Aaron Sorkin stuff at this point in time that is self-deprecating kind of just the way that whole thing works. Well, yeah, th there's a lot of self-deprecating Jewish humor, yes. Um, we go over that a lot in, in conversations, uh, on ret conversations, because Leia Cameron, my co-host mm. there, uh, very Jewish and very outspoken about it, but we'll be the first person to be like, we get to make those jokes. We've earned that right. right. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. which is fine. Totally fine. I'm not cool with people making uh, Puerto Rican jokes. I love making Puerto Rican jokes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and in, in I will just make white person jokes day in and day out. Well, like, but yeah, I mean, because what consequences are listen, you going to have? Listen, I, like, uh, <laughs> I grew up in rural South Dakota. If I want to, you know, call some say someone's squealing like a fat Irish pig, then you know what? I'm a quarter Irish. Fuck off. My grandma was full blooded. Piss off. I don't care. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, well, on that note, uh, <laughs> on that note, so Bear, other than, uh, mm. issue zero of this graphic novel, would you recommend it to I, our listeners? Honestly, like, I didn't think it was a bad graphic, but I just, I had a hard time reading it. There's, most of what's going on in it is just a ton of dialogue. Um, I, while I thought there were good story elements, there were some moments that I even laughed at, there were some moments I was falling asleep during. Um, I, I actually have a note in here at one point about halfway through the year, because it took me almost four hours to read. Um, I have a note in here that says, um, at this point, kind of feels like pineapple, like trying to watch Pineapple Express without being high. <laughs> 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 um, but then, you know, there were, there were wonderful parts like the fight scene in the zoo, you yes. know, and as we've seen in other graphics that we've read recently like a fight scene in a zoo is just amazing Punisher, Punisher uses a polar bear right yeah um so I I would be more than interested to hear about some of the other graphics that Loopy was talking about at the beginning of the episode that are are better Harley graphics than this one especially considering like all the other Harley stuff that we've done so far. This was not the introduction that I really can't remember the name of the writer artist. Well, I can remember it. I just can't pronounce it, but she did Harleen or he did Harleen. Yeah. Uh, 
It's the same artist. Stephen does... Seljic, yeah, he's amazing. Thank you. Yes, yeah. same artist that does Sunstone, um, yeah. which another great comic, but uh, very adult. Um, but Harleen is another one that I that I'd recommend. That is, yeah, taking a deep dark look at Harley. Um, I would put it even on the opposite end of the spectrum. From, yeah, um, like I said, I was trying to answer the question. Like, if right. you like the cartoon, which graphic novel would I recommend? Now, I do have a couple. If you like the cartoon, which which trades in this series would I recommend as well? Um, and there's a really funny run where Harley takes a great big shot at Deadpool. Nice. <laughs> in the form of a, a, a new character called Red Tool, <laughs> who uses like hardware store items as signature weapons. And he's obsessed with Harley. They date for a little while. Um, and they do a lot of cracking cracking jokes at Deadpool. And I almost recommended that one for this, but I was like, no, you, you kind of need the context of Hot in the City first before you'd like that one. But that one's really funny. Okay, good to know. I will I will be checking that one out. Jen, uh, A, are you going to keep reading? And B, would you recommend this to people that like the cartoon? Um, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. And I know that there might be better books. Harley, as a lover of the show, this really resonate you know i really loved um kind of the, the bone where the writers got personality because i feel like it's different she is you know, on her own but never on her. she's always surrounded by other characters yeah i'd be in the same boat i completely agree with loopy like this was a great foundation for where harley goes in the future uh like i said i've read it before i've read comics after this um and it all does kind of come back to this sets the foundation for why a lot of like how does she have her own building well that's in this you know this comic where the hell did that beaver come from well it's kind <laughs> of explained in this you know she has a dog she has several dogs and it's all explained in this like you know i uh, there will always be somebody that doesn't like some aspect of something we've recently seen it with a goddamn trailer for a dungeons and dragons movie and people <laughs> and people <laughs> lost their damn minds because they were like you can't you turn, into, turn an into an owl bear i'm like yes you can and in fact uh loopy you solved that problem i did i i wrote a uh i wrote a homebrew um a homebrew feat for druids and i stuck it up on dnd beyond it's it had something like a hundred uses the last time i checked on it and you know it, it's just a feat you buy the feet you can turn in owl bears cool done. that's all it takes like <laughs> this is a very highly mutable game like yeah all it takes is oh well the writers the original writers didn't think to maybe add in one advanced feat bear bear played in a game <laughs> that i played in where i played my one and only druid and I chose my wild form to be a Goralin, four-armed monkey. Uh, I probably shouldn't have been able to do that, but well, the DM was like, fuck but, it, this is funny. But to be fair, he didn't give you the ability to wild shape into anything other than that, and you didn't get that ability until you were like eighth level or something like that. Level or but I had grown like up in a in a forest that had Goralins. Yeah, so Goralins I was like, oh, so I'll turn into one of those. He's like, yeah, fuck it, let's do that. And it's not like <laughs> she turned into a beholder or anything. Like an owlbear right. is not a big stretch for a right. <laughs> right. Just not. This is this has been uh, our geek corner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But yes, I mean, Listen, I'm sure it's only, it's only our second tangent of the episode. 
Like, we're, doing we're, doing yeah. we're doing so much better than our right? first one. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I'm sure there are people that don't like this cartoon or, or feel that it is not true to Harley. I don't understand. Uh, but you know what? Good on you. Just stay off the comment section of the internet. I, you know? I'll tell you, though, for me, the, the thing that this has actually made me want to read more between both the comic and the uh, the animated is I want to go out and find some poison ivy. Yeah. Yes, and there is some fantastic. Stephen Seljic is working on a poison ivy series as a follow-up to the Harley. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a new poison ivy uh, uh, trade or uh, uh, ongoing that just started. I want to say three months ago. I think they're only on issue. Yeah. Because while I love Harley and I think she is a great icon out there for many women, many gamers many nerds in general i think she's a great icon for not necessarily my aesthetic and if i'm gonna read up on something i'd rather read up on ivy so seems a little more grounded a little more level-headed a little me. more grounded yeah uh, 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 that's where i was going with that well and like i just i just want to throw out this thing like the art in the harley comic is so fun and so good and they put her in so many costumes and i remember when like the first Suicide Squad movie came out and people were like, Harley's not in her costume. And I'm like, have you looked at the comic? She's probably, she probably goes through three costume changes an issue. She even says <laughs> at one point. I was going to say she does. Yeah. Like, how could you, how could you go through life wearing the same outfit every day? Yes. She takes a shot at Batman. Yeah. And I feel like mm -hmm. after the issue zero, and it's important to point out that Chad Harden was the artist. Yes. And that he does an amazing job throughout. Yes, absolutely. Now, it, it's it's very um, Saturday morning cartoon feeling, which mm -hmm. is perfect. It, with But still with just enough touch of, I don't know, something in the cell shading, something in everything overall that just makes it just a, a touch more than that. Just gives it a bit yeah. more, a bit more life. Well... Loopy, thank you so much for joining us once again. Um, thank you for having me. I love doing this. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will we will definitely have you back when we do some more some more fun DC stuff. Since I know you are you are one of our go to people uh, when we have those DC questions, um, and I will definitely be hitting you up to geek out the fuck over Sandman because it's so good. Right, yes. it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> multiple episodes of Sandman upcoming I'm sure probably yeah because that will be next season when we're doing more of a we do what we want our favorites yes yeah. uh yeah and it, in fact this was moved up from that season uh because this is Harley is one of Jen's absolute favorites yeah. um and I just I I love this cartoon I love the comic I'm really excited for uh, a whole new generation of people to discover Harley Quinn um you know there is movie harley um that is being represented extremely well that i'm excited that for yeah. people that find that there's this which i would say is closer to the spirit of harley quinn the character um that again if people find this i'm really excited about it listen if somehow lady gaga singing and dancing as harley quinn brings more people to harley quinn which is going to happen in the joker musical sequel I, uh, I am super excited for Lady Gaga's Harley. Like, super I excited. was not aware of this. Oh, you didn't hear about it until just now? Yes. There's going to be a Joker sequel, the uh, Joaquin Phoenix Joker. Uh, Lady Gaga is going to be Harley Quinn, and it's going to be a musical. And Joaquin is reprising his role as Joker? Indeed. I... It's going to be super twisted. 
I am here for this. <laughs> yeah. Super twist. Yeah. But yeah, in, in any this, incarnation. This, this should be the most psychotic mental breakdown movie I've seen probably since Requiem for a Dream. Well. With less dildos. <laughs> maybe. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, and I guess we'll find out then. Uh, but. Uh, Look, oh I live God. in a world where I can name like five actors between voice acting and, and on-screen acting who portrayed Harley Quinn, and it's a wonderful time to be a nerd. In right. look up when it's going to air. What's that? Oh, I do. Uh, all right, everybody. Well, thank you, uh, Loopy. But until then, take it away, Vandello. Do, do, do.